You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning. Today we continue our teaching series on the parables of Jesus. And we are looking at today what is called in the Bible the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And from this parable, I'm going to focus on three attitudes of the heart. Attitudes that one commentator has said have no place in the kingdom of God. So what are these attitudes that Jesus was trying to teach the listeners in this parable to avoid? And what should we do about them if we have them? It's important that we consider this parable in the context in which it was set. We only find this parable in the Gospel of Matthew. It follows Jesus's conversation with a rich young ruler who asked, what must he give up to receive eternal life? Jesus responded, saying that he must give up everything he has and follow him. The man went away dejected, unable to accept the challenge. Jesus then teaches the disciples that it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This causes the disciples to wonder then, who can be saved? And they remind Jesus that they have given up everything to follow Jesus. Peter, being Peter, takes it one step further. Peter's question seems to elicit a transactional view of the kingdom of God. Peter tells Jesus, we have given up everything for you. Will we get more in return? Will we get an extra reward or a greater benefit? Jesus reassures his apostles and disciples that they will. And you can read this in Matthew 19, verse 28 and 9. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Those are the apostles. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So there you have it. Jesus is saying, yes, what you give up for me when you become a disciple and a worker for the kingdom, a worker in the vineyard, you will be rewarded. But then he issues a warning in verse 30. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. He repeats this warning at the end of the parable again, as if to drive home the point. So let's read this parable together. If you have a Bible or an electronic or paper one, it doesn't matter, then it's in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. And today I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. It's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. 
So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. In summary, it's a simple parable. It concerns different groups of workers hired to perform the same task. But some start early in the morning while others start later in the day. When they come to collect their pay, the landowner gives them all the same wages. This act causes considerable consternation from the workers who were hired early. And if I was one of them, I suspect I would have been pretty miffed too. Clearly, I need to check out the attitude of my heart. How does it make you feel? I can think of a modern day equivalent. We've been blessed to go on, a, on a two, at least two cruise holidays. And we're quite organised and we like to book quite early. And when you book quite early, there's your price, you know what you need to pay. Now, the closer you get to the departure date, the same holiday gets cheaper and cheaper as they want to sell the spare cabins. And what's really interesting is if you then start to read things like Facebook or social media, other people who booked early start to get considerably annoyed. And they start asking, well, they're getting a cheaper holiday. It's the same holiday. I booked early, they booked late. Why should they get something that's cheaper? And I wonder, when you read them, if it slightly spoils their holiday. Because in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, hang on a minute, they've got it cheaper than me. I've paid all this money. We're going on the same holiday. In some way, I can imagine the cruise company saying, well, hang on. You agreed to pay this at this point in time. What we sell our holiday for closer to the cruise is entirely up to us. If we're choosing to be generous, why should you have a problem? That was the closest I could come up to as a modern equivalent of the parable. It's this attitude of heart that Jesus wants to call out and address. 
Now, other people think this parable has different meanings. Some say the different groups of workers are the Old Testament saints. Those called at the end of the day are the apostles. Some say the first are the Jews, and those called last are the Gentiles. And yet others say the parable represents the whole gospel up to the point of the second coming, when Jesus comes again and the workers are grouped saved at various points in the time frame. I'm going to take this view today, that this parable represents the different periods in a person's life in which they choose to become a Christian, a disciple of Jesus. Those called young may labour long in the vineyard, as they have their whole life ahead of them. And those who are called later in life have less opportunity to work in the vineyard. And it's this perspective I'm going to start with. My first observation is that everyone will be treated fairly. I think there is hard bait into every human heart, an expectation that the harder and longer you work, the more you can expect to earn in return. And certainly the workers who were sent out first felt that way. When they received the same pay as those who worked less hours, verse 11, they began to grumble. This is true. This is how the world works. The longer you work, the harder you work, the more you can expect to get paid. This is how the world operates. But this is not how the kingdom of God works. God chooses to treat everyone equally and fairly. He is, after all, God. But there are two things that God wants us to avoid. Things that can create this wrong attitude of heart inside that he wants us to avoid. The first thing is this, that God has the right to choose what to reward his workers. Verse 14, take your pay and go, he says to the grumblers. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? God wants to reward each as he sees fit. It is not our job to question or judge for ourselves. Reading from the King James Version, Matthew 7, 1 to 3 says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with that measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. God's reward is not based on what they have done, but on who he is. A God of love, of mercy and of grace. God is saying all will be treated fairly in the kingdom of God. The second thing, we are not called to be like the people who are upset with their holidays maybe put cheaper at the end, who can become bitter and envious. The verse says, are you envious because I am generous, says the landowner. We have to avoid envy creeping in. Maybe we see some people, even fellow Christians or churches, being more blessed than we are. What right do we have to be jealous 
or to question God. The third attitude of the heart, that the harder and longer we work, the more we can earn God's love for us. I'm quite a transactional person. I do something, I expect something back. While this is quite correct in many ways, in work especially, this is not the right attitude when it comes to God's love and his mercy and his grace. Rob Parsons speaks very powerfully about this in his book, What They Didn't Teach Me in Sunday School, which I'm just going to read from. A man came to Rob Parsons and said, I'm a director of a company. I have 200 people working for me. I have three children of my own. By most standards, people look at me and say that I am successful. And then he dropped his voice and whispered, Tell me, why am I still trying to prove myself to my father? He told me that when he was a teenager, he had come running in from school, eager to tell his father that he had come second in a music examination that included candidates from the whole of his county. His father had listened to his son's enthusiasm and then asked, Won't you ever come first? Many Christians live like that man. They believe that God is their father. They believe they came into, the rela- into that relationship because of faith. If you ask them whether it is possible to earn God's love, they would tell you that they are trusting in the grace of God. But in reality, they spend their lives trying to earn his love. God becomes for them the father they can never please, the one who has always another demand up his sleeve, the one they are forever disappointing. These people have forgotten the number of times they have rededicated their lives to God and their bookshelves bear evidence to the efforts of the years to find the magic formula that will turn them into the kind of Christian that God will be proud of. There have been times when they have risen from bed before it was light and prayed until their knees hurt and moments when they have almost read the Bible in a year. But even then, he seemed to want more. For some, we still secretly believe that God will only love us when we do well. The mind-blowing concept of grace, God's unmerited favour towards us, is hard for us to grasp in a society used to earning love. The truth is that the message of the gospel is a surprise. It runs counter to much we have been taught and almost all that we have experienced in other relationships. God knows you and God loves you. He loved you when you were his enemy and he loves you now you are his child. Many of us find it hard to live in the good of this and so struggle all our lives trying to earn the very love of God. But when we live that way, we are destined to live a weary Christian life. For proving yourself to God is the most draining lifestyle of all. Does God love less the workers who came last? You could argue he loved the workers who came last more. 
because he rewarded them the same, a real demonstration of love. We are challenged again. How can God love those who have done so little for him? And does he really? Let's look at another example in the Bible. Luke chapter 23, verses 40 to 43. Jesus hangs on the cross, two criminals, one either side of him. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This criminal is receiving human justice. But God, in his mercy, as this criminal recognises Jesus' innocence, grants him a place in heaven that very day. This man had no opportunity to work in the kingdom, but God rewards him just the same as someone who has worked a lifetime. So how can I maybe let go of those attitudes of the heart? We can recognise that God is God. He is not your boss or manager at work. He is not someone you want to please or love for what you will get back. God is God and is worthy of love regardless. You can celebrate with those who are richly blessed regardless of the work they put into the kingdom of God. And lastly, we can rely and depend on God's grace, not the works of your hands. We need to put down the transactional effort every time it arises. And what is true for that criminal was also true for my father. He sadly, at the age of 53, developed a brain tumour that was inoperable. He was a good man, but he didn't go to church, and he would say himself he didn't know how he would get into heaven. In fact, he even asked my mum to call me to find out how. Days before he died, he tried to get into the chapel to pray, but the nurses wouldn't let him. The nurses tell us that he got down on his knees beside the bed. I don't know what he said. What I do know is on the day that he died, Tammy had a dream, and in this dream she saw angels approach the the end of my dad's bed, called him by his name, and his spirit sat up and left. I felt that was God saying, your father is in heaven. He had no opportunity to work in the kingdom of God. He had no opportunity to earn God's love. But God loved him all the same. God rewards him just the same. So what can we learn and apply from this parable today? Whether we become a disciple of Jesus early 
or late in life, then we should all work diligently with the time we have. But we should avoid a mercenary or transactional spirit, thinking I have given lots, I should get more in return. We should avoid an envious spirit. Jesus is teaching us that there is no room in the kingdom of God for this. There is a significant measure of hope and comfort for those who come to faith in God later in life, even on their deathbed. We can rest assured knowing that we will be treated, rewarded equally and fairly, whether we are the first or the last. Amen.